You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, the Rowan Radio News Team. Good morning and welcome to the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Allie Bruce with the Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include Judge Kentaji Brown-Jackson completed her final day of testimony, world leaders of NATO meet to discuss Putin's invasion of Ukraine, and the identity of two state troopers and a pedestrian killed in a PA crash have been released. Here's your national news recap for the week of March 20th. Thursday was the last day of the Senate confirmation hearing for federal judge Kentaji Brown-Jackson, President Biden's pick for the Supreme Court. Jackson concluded two days of testimony Thursday night. Thursday's session featured witnesses offering various opinions on Judge Jackson and her career. The American Bar Association's Anne Claire Williams testified that the ABA has given Jackson its highest rating. She said Jackson is well qualified to serve on the Supreme Court. Illinois Democrat Richard Durbin says he was saddened by the questioning of some Republicans during Jackson's two days in the witness chair. He argued some of the attacks on this judge were unfair, unrelenting, and beneath the dignity of the Senate. Durbin chairs the Judiciary Committee. Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell will vote no on the confirmation of Supreme Court nominee Kentaji Brown-Jackson. McConnell said he had an open mind but decided to oppose the federal appellate judge after her performance during the Judiciary Committee this week. He argued Jackson repeatedly deflected basic questions about her judicial philosophy. He also accused her of sidestepping questions about specific rulings. McConnell called it an endless circle of evasion. Jackson would be the first black woman to ever serve on the Supreme Court if she's confirmed. Former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright is dead at the age of 84 from cancer. She was the first woman U.S. Secretary of State under former President Bill Clinton. Prior to that, she was the U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations. She also served on the National Security Council, then joined the academic faculty of Georgetown University in the 1980s. Former President Trump is suing Hillary Clinton and the Democratic National Committee over the 2016 election. A new lawsuit alleges Clinton and the DNC conspired to weave a false narrative about Trump's campaign colluding with Russia. Trump defeated Democrat Clinton in the 2016 presidential election. The lawsuit claims Clinton and the DNC switched gears after the election in an effort to undermine Trump's administration. The lawsuit was filed in Florida and seeks $72 million in damages. Justice Clarence Thomas is in the hospital with flu-like symptoms. The Supreme Court issued a release saying he was admitted to a D.C. area hospital Friday evening. He has been diagnosed with an infection and is being treated with antibiotics. Professional athletes and performers in New York City no longer have to comply with the private sector coronavirus vaccine mandate. Mayor Eric Adams said he's making an exemption because hometown teams had an unfair disadvantage because visiting players who weren't vaccinated were allowed to play. 
This now means unvaccinated Nets star Kyrie Irving no longer has to sit out home games, and Yankees and Mets players who have not gotten the shot can play at Yankee Stadium and City Field once baseball season starts. The mayor is getting backlash from some who say this is unfair to other employees who were forced to get the shot. The cops are looking for at least three people who attacked a 13-year-old girl in the Bronx. NBC4 New York reports the teenager says she was pepper sprayed, punched, and kicked while bystanders recorded the beating on their cell phones. Two men and a girl also stole her $300 sneakers. The victim says she doesn't know why she was attacked. Pennsylvania Senate candidate Dr. Mehmet Oz is no longer a member of the Presidential Council on Sports, Fitness, and Nutrition. On Wednesday, President Biden sent a request asking Dr. Oz and Georgia Senate candidate and former NFL star Herschel Walker to resign from the council per U.S. law under the Hatch Act. Members of the President's Council on Sports, Fitness, and Nutrition are considered special government employees and by law can't run as candidates in partisan elections. Before his removal, Dr. Oz released a statement saying former President Trump had appointed him to the council and he had no intention of resigning. The head of an ultra-violent Mexican drug cartel has been indicted by a grand jury in Texas. Jose Alfredo Cardenas Martinez is known as El Contador. He is charged in an international conspiracy to smuggle drugs from Mexico into the United States. In a statement, the head of the DEA says the arrest could disrupt the Gulf Cartel's cross-border operation. If convicted, Cardenas Martinez faces up to life in prison. He is currently in custody in Mexico pending extradition. A third case of avian influenza has been confirmed in northwest Iowa's Buena Vista County. The Iowa Department of Agriculture says it was found in a commercial turkey flock. The state has confirmed a half dozen cases so far this spring, resulting in the depopulation of millions of chickens and turkeys. A suspect is under arrest following a shooting Thursday morning in southwest Portland. It happened near southwest 14th and Jefferson. When police arrived, they found a man who was wounded. He was taken to the hospital and he is expected to survive. The suspect remained at the scene. Gabriel Harrison is charged with attempted murder, assault, and unlawful use of a weapon. Police haven't said what led to the shooting. I'm Allie Bruce, and that was your national news. I'm Jen McGraw with your international news. World leaders met on Thursday for an emergency NATO summit in Brussels to discuss the Russian invasion of Ukraine that's going into its fourth week. Biden met with NATO allies amid the one-month invasion. Leaders reinforced their economic stand against Russia early on Thursday, adding sanctions on Russia and giving the approval for major increase of troops. They also sharply warned Moscow against using chemical weapons in Ukraine. The allies released a statement saying, Russia's war against Ukraine has shattered peace in Europe and is causing enormous human suffering and destruction. It goes on to say, we strongly condemned Russia's devastating attacks on civilians, including women, children, and persons in vulnerable situations. We will work with the rest of the international community to hold accountable those responsible for violations of humanitarian and international law, including war crimes, and that any use by Russia of a chemical or biological weapon would be unacceptable and result in severe consequences. 
Tensions are rising amid the Russian invasion of Ukraine as Biden and other world leaders met on Thursday to discuss sanctions and increase of troops in support of Ukraine. They also discussed the rising tension of Moscow's potential use of chemical weapons. U.S. President Joe Biden responded by saying NATO would react in kind if Russia uses weapons of mass destruction on Ukraine. Biden also added that he believes Russia should be ejected from the G20 and noted that the decision will be up to the group. If those group members object to Russia's ejection, he thinks Ukraine should be allowed to attend the next meeting. U.S. President Joe Biden emphasized his warning to China against helping Russia in the invasion of Ukraine. President Biden said such actions would incur consequences during a phone call with Chinese President Xi Jinping last week. Washington has cautioned Beijing against aiding Moscow for weeks amid reports that Russia requested military assistance from China. During the NATO summit on Thursday, the U.S. president said she understands that China's economic interests lie with the West, not Russia. COVID infections rose 7% in the last week due to the surge in the Western Pacific region, the World Health Organization said on Wednesday. Though over 12 million new cases were recorded, there were fewer than 33,000 deaths, a 23% decrease in fatalities. Cases are increasing in China, Australia, and Hong Kong. China reported 2,591 cases with confirmed symptoms on Tuesday versus 2,281 just a day earlier. Hong Kong reported 12,240 new COVID cases and 170 deaths. After a brief decline in COVID cases following the rise of the Delta variant in April and May last year, the infections rose in January due to the new Omicron variant and lifting of restrictions across Europe and North America, among other parts of the world. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau completed a full four-year term even though his ruling Liberal Party has a minority in the House of Commons. This follows a surprise agreement for coordination with the new opposition, New Democratic Party. The delivering of Canadians Now, a supply and confidence agreement, was announced Tuesday morning in a similar statement issued by Trudeau and the NDP leader Jagmeet Singh. By voting together, they will enjoy a comfortable majority of 184 total votes. A majority is considered to be 170 in the 338 House, and the Liberals have 159 alone. Hong Kong is set to resume international flights from the U.S., Britain, and seven other countries, the government stated on Monday, as it will be loosening some of the world's toughest COVID-19 restrictions. After the highly transmissible variants caused an uptick in cases in January, authorities quickly put in place flight bans from eight countries that were deemed high-risk, including the United States, among other countries. Caremongers India, a Facebook group launched at the start of the pandemic, has helped connect volunteers with vulnerable people across India. The group has about 45,000 members and was started by Mahida Nagara, an online marketing professional from Bangalore, during the beginning of the pandemic. The idea came to her after a few friends living abroad asked her to help check in with their elderly parents in India. In addition to the Facebook group, there is a helpline and a WhatsApp number for those in need. I'm Jen McGraw, and that has been your international news. And now it's time for local news with me, Sam Whalen. Officials have released the names of the pedestrian and the two state troopers who were killed on Interstate 95 recently. State police said in a news release that Reyes Rivera Oliveras, who was from Allentown, was walking in the southbound lane moments before troopers Martin F. Mack III and Brandon Siska tried to get him off the highway. The troopers were putting him into their cruiser when they were hit by a car driven by 21-year-old Jayana Webb of Eagleville. The troopers had stopped her just moments before for suspected DUI. She now also faces third-degree murder and vehicular homicide charges, among other counts. From Brent Johnson at NJ Advanced Media for NJ.com, the majority of New Jerseyans like living in the state, but more than a third say they'd like to move out, a new poll has found. 
Nearly 6 in 10 adult residents say the Garden State is an excellent or good place to live, according to the Rutgers Eagleton poll released recently. However, 28% say it's only fair, and 14% say it's poor. Meanwhile, half of residents say they would move out of their current neighborhood if they could, including over a third who say they would move to another state. From Bob Brooks at 6abc.com, Temple University is continuing to ramp up efforts to keep its community safe amid a wave of gun violence in Philadelphia. The university recently announced new steps to help curb the crime, including providing assistance to help students relocate to campus and a grant program that would help nearby homes install security cameras. In recent weeks, concerned parents have hired private security near the North Philadelphia campus. The university is also partnering with former Philadelphia Police Commissioner Charles Ramsey to audit campus safety. That is set to begin in the coming months. From Suzette Parmley at NJ Advanced Media for NJ.com, New Jersey is expected to reach a significant milestone in its long effort to sell recreationally used cannabis to adults in the coming days. The Cannabis Regulatory Commission that oversees the developing industry is expected to approve the first batch of conditional license applications for cultivation and manufacturing at its monthly meeting soon. In addition, five alternative treatment centers currently serving medical cannabis patients that apply to expand to sell to the adult use market are also expected to be approved. The commissioners said they plan to take the data they gathered from the regional hearings and produce a report to the legislature on where best to invest cannabis dollars. From the 6ABC digital staff at 6ABC.com, the jury has been selected in the federal corruption trial of Philadelphia City Councilman Kenyatta Johnson and his wife, political consultant Don Chavu. Charges were announced against the couple back in 2020, alleging a wide-ranging racketeering conspiracy and related crimes, including bribery, honest services fraud, multiple counts of wire fraud, and tax offenses. Federal prosecutors said the couple was offered $66,000 in bribes disguised as consulting work for Chavu. Both Johnson and Chavu maintain their innocence. They each face up to 40 years in prison if convicted. The trial is expected to continue in the coming months. From Larry Higgs at NJ Advanced Media for NJ.com, NJ Transit took its first crack at how to write a long-term sustainability plan to guide efforts for a, quote, clean, resilient, and equitable future. That started by asking the public for suggestions and ideas recently. Officials heard two distinct messages, the need for more service in underserved areas of the state, preferably using electric train technology found in Europe and Asia, as well as opposition to a proposed backup power plant for the rail system. Officials also heard about discontent with the direction of the agency's designing transit grid power system that would provide backup electricity to Amtrak's Northeast Corridor, parts of NJ Transit's Morris and Essex lines, and the Hudson Bergen light rail in case of a power outage. Public outreach through other webinars, surveys, and an open email for questions and answers will continue through 2022 and into early 2023 with a delivery date for a final plan later that year. I'm Sam Whalen, and that was your local news. I'm Kariah Bennett with your Rowan News. From April 4th through the 8th, all Rowan University students will have an opportunity to try different mediums for free. The inaugural Symposium for Interdisciplinary Arts, which is offered through Rick Edelman's College of Communications and Creative Arts, will provide art-making opportunities in a wide array of disciplines for all students. A dozen or more workshops will be provided students a chance to simplify their hands at art or gain a deeper appreciation for it. The symposium will include sessions on paper quilling, a centuries-old technique involving the use of strips of colored paper to make intricate designs, illustrating a storytelling, sand carving, and aluminum castling. The castling of concrete to make a geometric planter, 
printmaking, and more. The symposium is offered to all students, but seating is limited. In other news, Rowan joins a small but growing number of universities offering graduate cybersecurity programs, even for those who didn't major in computer science as undergrads. Students' learning outcomes include technical skills like building secure technical architecture and non-technical skills in writing and management. Rowan will apply for accreditation as the National Center of Academic Excellence in Cybersecurity Program by the Department of Homeland Security and the National Security Agency once its first cohort graduates from the program as required. Five of the ten courses that make up the new program's curriculum already cover the required content of the National Cybersecurity Curriculum. Students will learn from Rowan facility and adjuncts who are experts in cybersecurity industry. The new program works with existing Rowan programs to give students more options to save tuition costs and earn a degree in less time. The 3 plus 1 program allows students to attend community college for three years and complete their fourth at Rowan. The 4 plus 1 combined advanced degree program allows students to earn both their bachelor's and master's degrees in five years. For students who complete the combined 3 plus 1 plus one program earning their master's degree while paying a community college tuition rate for three to five years total of the program once again providing you your Rowan news i'm Kariya bennett that does it for the first half of the Rowan report wrapping up this week's national international and local news we are going to take a quick break up next we have your weekly sports business and entertainment news stay tuned right here on Rowan radio 89.7 wgls fm Welcome back to the Roan Report. I'm Allie Bruce, along with the Roan Radio News Team. I'm Danny Ryan with your news from around the Rowan University sports world. Starting off with the Rowan University baseball team. They found themselves facing off against the 5-13 Southwest Baptist Bearcats in Auburndale, Florida on March 18th. Sophomore pitcher Ben Iervolino took the mound for the profs and did not have his best outing, pitching just three innings, allowing four earned runs, five hits, one walk, and two hit batters, along with zero strikeouts. With Iervolino struggling early on, the profs needed to strike against the Bearcats starter in the form of sophomore Timothy Glenn. Glenn finished the afternoon with five full innings of work under his belt, allowing just nine hits, six runs, with only three of the six runs earned. After both starters departed, it was off to the races for both squads, as each respective bullpen would look to pick up their starting arm. Taking a look at the offensive side, first for the profs, their first run of the 10 they scored in that afternoon came in the form of an error from the Bearcats shortstop. This error scored second baseman Tyler Cannon with ease to tie things up at 1-1. One one. With DiDomenico and DeFiciani on base, Anthony Schooley pounced on the terrific opportunity, driving in two unearned runs via a two-RBI double. After the profs' busy first inning, they would not get back on the board until the fifth inning when Eric DiDomenico would strike for a three-run home run to score DeFiciani and Mastrangeli, giving the profs a one-run 6-5 lead. In the following inning, the sixth, Ryan Mastrangeli added a three-run home run of his own, scoring second baseman Tyler Cannon yet again, as well as catcher Mark Hernandez to give the profs a 9-5 lead heading into the late innings of this one. While the Bearcats' effort was valiant, they came up just short, losing to the Profs by a final score of 10-8. Fast forward to Monday, March 21st, the Profs traveled to Haverford, Pennsylvania and made quick work of the Fords, shutting them out in a huge way, as the box score read 18-0 in favor of your Rowan University Profs. Enough said. 
The next day, on Tuesday, March 22nd, the Profs had a very quick turnaround, traveling to Glassboro, New Jersey for their first game at the Nest for the 2022 season against the York College of Pennsylvania Revolution. After this one was all said and done, the Profs defeated them by a final score of 6-1. to Eli Ataya took the bump for the Profs, providing seven strong innings, allowing just one earned run, two hits, while posting three strikeouts and three walks in his home performance. The Profs certainly played small ball in this one, with their biggest hit of the game coming in the form of an Anthony Schooley two-RBI double that put the dagger in the heart of the Revs with a seventh-inning score of 6-1. to with this victory, the Profs improved to 10-3 on the season, while the Revolution fell to 7-7. With zero and Jack games under their belt to this point in the season, the Profs currently sit at second in the conference, right behind the 14-4 Kane University Cougars, with their first and Jack matchup coming on April 2nd on the road versus the William Patterson Pioneers. It will definitely be interesting to see if both the Profs baseball team and the 13-5 Profs softball team can continue this pure dominance all season long. Once again, this has been Danny Ryan with your news from around the Rowan University sports world right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Hi, I'm Megan Steckler with your Rowan Report business update. Olive Garden's parent company is missing on expectations in its latest quarterly earnings report. It blamed the Omicron variant for the drop. Darden restaurants saw earnings per share of $1.93 with revenue of $2.45 billion. The company's outgoing CEO said record sales happened in December before Omicron started causing problems. The Department of Education will hold owners of some private colleges accountable for taxpayer losses. The Undersecretary of Education said in a statement that if a company owns or profits from college, it should be on the hook if the institution fails students. Organizations could be responsible for financial losses if they have 50% interest or more in a private college under the policy. As gas prices and inflation climb, Wall Street bonuses are now setting records as well. Brian Shook has more. According to a new report from New York's state comptroller, New York City securities workers brought in an average bonus of $257,500 last year, a 20% jump over the year before. Security industry jobs make up one-fifth of the city's private sector wages, even though they account for just 5% of private sector employment. The report suggested the Wall Street bonuses should help the city exceed its expected revenue from income taxes. I'm Brian Shook. Nearly one in every three American workers make less than $15 an hour. That's according to new research from the anti-poverty advocacy group Oxfam America. The study also says 47% of black workers make less than $15 an hour, almost twice the number of their white counterparts. The federal minimum wage sits at $7.25 an hour. Wall Street futures are slipping following the market's strong performance on Tuesday. The Dow gained three quarters percent yesterday, while the Nasdaq picked up just under 2% and the S&P 500 added more than 1.1%. I'm Megan Steckler and this has been your business news report. And now it's time for your weekly entertainment recap with me, Brandon Searles. Harry Styles is announcing the release date of his upcoming album. Fans can look forward to Harry's house on May 20th. According to a press release, Styles' latest project will feature 13 songs. The Golden Singer took to Twitter to share the album art, which features the singer standing on the ceiling of an upside-down living room. The highly anticipated album follows 2019's Fine Line and comes amid his ongoing Love on Tour concert series. Bob Saget's widow is standing behind the autopsy report that says her husband died after hitting his head in his hotel room. 
The report stated the late comedian struck his head on a marble floor in Florida. Saget family's attorney released a statement and said the records released tell the entire story. The statement was released after a report claimed Saget had complained he didn't feel well the night he died. While Saget did have COVID in his system when he died, officials said it played no role in his death. SNL is unveiling the hosts and musical guests for April. Lizzo will pull double duty on the sketch comedy show on April 16th. The Truth Hurts singer will serve as both host and musical guest. The April 2nd show will feature Gerard Carmichael as host and Gunna as the musical act, and Jake Gyllenhaal will host on April 9th with Camila Cabello taking to the SNL stage. One of the most famous rappers and basketball players of all time are teaming up to help a family in Toronto. Drake and LeBron James gave the family $100,000. A student athlete named Michael plays for the Royal Crown Academic School, and Drake described his mom as a very hardworking woman. That's when Drake pulled out many bills at a dinner to surprise the family. However, the gift did not stop there. Michael's coach got a new pair of shoes. Drake also said he'll donate to LeBron's I Promise School in Ohio. West Side Story star and Hackensaw native Rachel Zeigler now has her invite to the Oscars. The Academy announced Zeigler, who starred as Maria in the movie, will attend and present an award at this Sunday's ceremony in L.A. This follows days of internet fury after the revelation that she hadn't been invited. Zeigler won a Golden Globe for her West Side Story role, although she wasn't included in the film's seven Oscar nominations. Tom Cruise has supposedly lawyered up after they announced the new Mission Impossible 7 movie will only have an exclusive 45-day movie theater showing before being placed on Paramount's streaming service. Cruise allegedly hired a lawyer to come to an agreement with Paramount as he says getting a date for when the movie can be seen on the service will discourage people from going to the theater. A deleted scene from the recent Robert Pattinson Batman movie featuring the Joker, portrayed by Barry Cogan, was released on Friday. A five-minute cut of the beloved Batman villain showed Kogan's take on the Joker with a twisted face and scars in the shape of a smile. I'm Brandon Searles, and this has been your weekly entertainment recap here on Rowan Radio. And that wraps up this week's edition of the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Rowan Radio News Team, I'm Allie Bruce. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. Be sure to join us every Saturday morning at 9.30 for another edition of The Rowan Report, exclusively here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.